Good morning, everybody. How you doing? Good to see you guys. Welcome to all of you watching online. Glad you guys are with us. Welcome to the very, uh, very first Sunday of 2016. And uh, I don't know about you, but I, I love embracing a new year. I love just having a chance to flip a calendar and hit a reset and go, okay, what are some things that I celebrate from last year? There were areas of growth and what are some areas I want to grow in this year? And so I'm, I'm looking forward to 2016. I'm glad some things are behind, glad for uh, new opportunity and, and, and fresh starts. And that's what New Year's are about. And I do want to spend some time uh, with you today, just really sharing with you from my heart what I feel God has impressed on, on me for the direction or an emphasis for us uh, for this year. Uh, for those of you who are CVCers, you've been around here a while. Um, last year, really, uh, we had an emphasis on sharing our faith. We had an emphasis on evangelism, and we said, man, let's just, let's just be praying for people. Let's really um, up our engagement level on praying for people who don't have a relationship with Jesus, who are missing out on forgiveness of sins, the hope of heaven, and all that comes with the relationship with Christ. And um, let's be more courageous and active in sharing the gospel, the good news with people. And you guys really engaged well. Thank you. We did that to establish a new norm. We didn't do that to just close up that chapter and go, oh, that was done. We, we want to now add to really what I hope is an increase in our missionary living. And what we want to add to that this year is really an emphasis on growth. You know, Jesus has called us to be his disciples, right? You know, we're, we're told to go and make disciples. A disciple is a student. A disciple is a learner. They're a follower. And so we're called to be disciples. And here's the thing. As we, as we strive to grow as a disciple of Christ, as we strive to learn, as we strive to develop, there's a key component to our growth. I mean, we're called to be a disciple, which means I need to be one and grow others. But there's a missing component that many of us miss in the area of our spiritual growth. And some of you have made, maybe have already made like New Year's resolutions and goals and plans for 2016. You may already be missing the key component that will help you grow most. And the key component are the people sitting next to you. It's others. God doesn't want us to grow in isolation. God doesn't want us to grow in a vacuum. We really do need one another. And so this year's emphasis is going to be about growth, not just as an individual, but how can God use me? This is the question I want you to be asking yourself today. How can God use me to help grow others? Because a lot of times when we talk about, um, you know, personal growth, spiritual growth, we just think about it in the vacuum of me. What do I need to do? Well, that's not bad. That's not wrong. We need to start there, but we need to move beyond just me. And say, wait, God has put, you know, all the lessons of life I've learned and all the wisdom and knowledge and all the insights and all the experiences I've had. And he wants me to put those to work to help grow others. And so really this year is an emphasis on growth. It's an emphasis on discipleship, on learning to be a disciple. And if we're going to be a disciple, we're dedicated to growing, but we can't do it alone. We don't grow alone. And so we want to engage others in the growth process. Now, uh, you think about a man like the Apostle Paul. And most of you probably know the story of the Apostle Paul. Here was a man who, who, who actually hated Christians, right? And thought it was uh, a good thing that he was persecuting Christians. And God rescued him and saved him and, and, and brought him into a relationship. And he had a major turnaround. And he went from being a, a murderer of Christians to a missionary. <laughs> and, and we see that he wrote so many books in the Bible. And God mightily used this man. And as the Apostle Paul went around doing ministry, he constantly felt the burden for people to come into a relationship with Jesus and also for people to grow in the relationship with Jesus. And he felt a constant burden 
for believers because there was always a threat of some sort that would stunt their growth. Maybe it was going to be uh, just grievous sin. Man, just grievous sin within the body of Christ. That's going to stunt the growth of Christians. And sometimes sin in our lives, sin in the church, stunts our growth. So we always need to be uh, proactive about weeding out those sins that will sabotage our spiritual growth. And he always was uh, defending the Christian faith and the Christian understanding from false theology. And so uh, in the Bible, in the New Testament, we have all these letters that God had the Apostle Paul write to early believers in the Christian church. One of those churches was the church at Colossae. And the church of Colossae was made up of a bunch of Gentile Christians, a bunch of people that didn't have Jewish background. And so they had heard about forgiveness of sins through Christ. They had given their lives to following Christ. And now they're young in the faith. And Paul didn't have a chance to get out there in person, but God had him write this letter to help encourage them and instruct them. And, and part of what he was trying to weed out was the threat of the, there were Jewish folks that were there saying, no, it's, it's not about Jesus. It's about following the law. It's about following rules. It's about this and that. And you've got to do these customs. And then you can be made right with God. And so that was a threat for them to grow in their spiritual faith. There was also a belief called Gnosticism, a theology called Gnosticism, um, coming from the, the word Gnosis, you know, Gnosis, knowledge. Basically, Gnosticism said this, that matter is evil and spirit is good. So there's no way that a pure God would touch matter. So obviously, you start to think about, well, how, that, how would that affect their view of, let's say, Jesus being God incarnate? <laughs> oh, yeah, a pure God wouldn't wrap himself in human flesh. So then maybe Jesus isn't God, which means the cross means nothing. And so th these are views that were threatening the early church. And, and Paul carried the burden and says, no, this is going to stunt your growth. This is going to take you where you don't need to go. And so he wrote this letter to encourage them. And I thought, man, what a great way to take two verses. I mean, obviously, all of Scripture has phenomenal stuff. And, and, but there's just two verses that I felt like the Lord impressed upon me weeks and weeks and weeks ago uh, to share with you as we kicked off the new year that I think launch us well into a mindset of growth for the year. And so I want to take you to the book of Colossians. So open up your Bible to the book of Colossians, chapter 2. And I've given you a little background here, you know, written by the Apostle Paul to this church, you know, the Christians in um, uh, Colossae, and uh, you know, all these Colossian Christians. And he's trying to encourage them and I just want to look at two verses with you today, just two, and really just ring them out a little bit, look at some of the very obvious applications, but sometimes the obvious applications need to be hit anyways, right? Because we neglect to, to take it all in. But in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, this is what we find. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. You, know, you look at these verses, and, and they're, they're really clear. There's, there's a lot of growth language. There's, there's uh, language to secure and bring hope and joy and to remind. But really, I just want to look at six encouragements about a disciple's life that we can draw from this verse and tie them to our understanding of trying to grow. Because I'm assuming that you guys are here because you want to grow, Right? I'm assuming you don't just want to punch your church card. Ah, just go to church, punch the card. And if you did come, you might be surprised by God. So don't be surprised if you're surprised by God. All right. Because he wants you to grow. And you guys are here because you take your faith seriously and you want to grow. Well, what are some encouragements we can get out of this passage about our desire to grow as a disciple? Well, the first thing we see here is that a disciple's life is about receiving. All right. Receiving that which is most important, of course. Look at verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord. We all need to receive Christ. 
When you believe in Christ Jesus as the Lord and the Savior, then you get to receive him as Lord and Savior. We understand that our belief in Christ means that that's the moment where we identify ourselves as a broken, sinful person who can't save themselves through good works, can't save themselves through religion, can't save themselves through church, only can be saved by putting their trust and hope in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The one who came, who's God in the flesh, who died on the cross, rose from the grave, conquered death and sin, that's receiving Christ. When you transfer your trust from your broken self and all our efforts to try to be made right with God to the only way we can be made right with God, which is through a relationship with Christ. That, that's what it means to receive Christ. And so we've joined ourselves. The word here, receive, means to join to Christ. When you came to faith in Christ, you joined yourself to Christ. You didn't just add him to your life. You, you joined yourself to Christ. That means to receive Christ. And so uh, I notice here, we didn't receive a program. We didn't receive a system. We didn't receive um, a tradition. We didn't receive just a doctrine. It's receiving the person of Christ. The one who one day will look at many people at the last day and say, depart from me, I never, what? Knew you. So to receive Christ is to know Christ. You're in relationship with Christ. And so first, as a disciple, you've got to start with receiving Christ. And maybe today someone's watching or one of you, one of you are here and you, you haven't had that moment yet where you've identified God's invitation to be in relationship through the death and resurrection of Jesus and he's inviting you in to receive Christ. Well, you've got to start by receiving Christ as your Savior, as your Lord, the ruler of your life. And so you, you have to start there and hopefully all of you have done that. But here's the thing. When you look at this passage, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus... If you're typical, we look at that verse and we go, yeah, me. Well, yes, it, it does apply to you, but it also applies to us. This word you is plural. So Paul's writing to a group of people as you, all of you have received Christ. So there's this duality that I receive Christ when I come to faith in Christ, but I'm not alone in my faith in Christ. I am now also not, also not just joined to Christ, but to his body and all the others who have received Christ. And so it's this uh, beautiful thing of, I have received Christ as my Savior, and we have received Christ as our Savior. And so as I try to grow after receiving Christ, I'm not going to grow alone. I'm going to grow with the family of faith. I'm going to grow with the community, because you don't grow alone after you receive Christ. But you've got to start with receiving Christ. And so first thing we see is a disciple's life is about receiving Christ. You, you, you have to receive Christ, so we're receiving. Secondly, we see that a disciple's life is also about walking. Look again at verse 6. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. This walking is a present active verb. It means it's something taking place now. My, my past conversion to faith in Christ creates a present reality where I'm walking in him. So you woke up today, hopefully with a desire to walk in Christ. You're going to wake up tomorrow, hopefully with the desire to walk in Christ, which means to live in Christ, that our conduct, that our lifestyle, that everything is for the Lord. It's to be pleasing to the Lord. In Colossians 1.10, the way Paul kicked off this letter, he said, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Again, you see a call to growth, to maturity, but how? Part of it's by walking in the Lord, by, by daily trying to pace ourselves with Jesus. As 
the temptations and the troubles of this world come flying toward us. Our only hope is to walk in Christ. That's why I love our, 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 really our, our, our little saying, live new. To live new means to, to walk in Christ, to live our new life in Christ, to walk with Him. And so we received Christ yesterday, but we walk with Christ today. And so a life of a disciple is walking with Christ, but we don't walk alone. This, this is not a lone person's journey. You know, it's so interesting. You look at a lot of the, the movies and the shows that we've had over the years, and they always hail the lone hero, right? It's always like, you know, uh, Captain America. That's awesome. Well, you know what? Captain America's cool, but I sure like Captain America when he's got Thor and the Hulk and Black Widow. And, you know, I like the Avengers better. Why? Because one guy's cool and all, but a group of people gets a lot more done, you know? We, you just don't hail the lone hero. You know, LeBron James is phenomenal. But if LeBron James doesn't have Kevin Love, and if he doesn't have Kyrie Irving, he doesn't have a little hustler like Matthew Dellavedova, then you know what? He can only get so much done. So yeah, it's nice to have one superstar, but one superstar can't do it alone. You gotta have the team to make progress, right? It's the same way as a follower of Christ. Look, you're gonna grow, but you're gonna grow more if you engage other people in your journey of growth. The lone hero is only gonna go so far. The lone disciple is only gonna grow so much. We don't grow alone. We don't walk alone. And so this year, as we talk about growing, what it means is some of you are going to be a lot more intentional about, A, letting some people speak into your life about growing in Christ, and B, learning how to speak into the lives of others so that they can grow in Christ. This, this is the life of a disciple. I'm called to be one, and I'm called to grow others. In order to grow others, I need to be around others so I don't grow alone. Thirdly, we see this encouragement. A disciple's life is also about rooting, right? About rooting. We see in that passage right there, if you look at it again, it says that, uh, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted, rooted. This, this is a beautiful picture. This is an agricultural metaphor. What are the purpose of roots for a tree? Pretty much twofold. One, to bring nutrients, right? The, the roots tap into the ground to draw nutrients, and so as we come to Christ, as we receive Christ, as we walk in Christ, and then we, we are now rooted in Christ. Our, our identity is rooted in Christ, okay? Also, roots bring strength. Some of you have fought with weeds in your yard. Some of them have easy roots, and you're like, that was easy. Some of you are like, I can't pull the stinking weed because the roots, what? They go deep. And now it's personal. Now it's a big battle to pull a weed out of your yard, right? Because it's got these roots. Roots bring strength, and they bring nourishment, now we're rooted in Christ. The reason some of you are, are struggling in your life when it comes to living for God is you're not uh, remembering that you're rooted in Christ as a believer. Or maybe you're not a believer yet and you're not rooted in Christ and you're trying to root yourself in other stuff. And it seems like multiple people I've talked to over the last couple months have been trying to root themselves in something else. They've tried to root their identity, root their strength, root their value in something else. If, if, if that guy or that girl would just, would just be in my life, then if I can just get that paycheck to be a certain size, then I'm going to be rooted in a certain amount of money, and then I'll be stable and secure. No, the, the, you need to be rooted in Christ. And so uh, we need to realize that we're rooted in Christ. Our identity comes from Christ. Our spiritual nourishment comes from Christ. Some of you are just spiritually anorexic right now. You're spiritually starving right now because your roots aren't tapped into Christ. Or maybe they're tapped and you've forgotten. You're not drawing. And so the life of a disciple means we're rooted. 
This, this is, we've been rooted in Christ and we're rooting in Christ. It's, it's, it's something that's continuing to happen. And when we're rooted, we're not rooted alone. It's, it's not a lone person's journey. We're rooted with others. You know, one of the most amazing trees is the redwood, the giant redwood or giant sequoia. And I don't know how many of you have had a chance to see one of these trees. They're phenomenal. They're massive. There's a lot of them on the West Coast. Like if you go up through California and Oregon and Washington, you find yourself in some of the massive, you know, Sequoia Canyons and Sequoia Parks and all the Redwood Parks and stuff like that. Some of those trees are so big you can drive your car through them. They've hollowed out the thing. You actually drive your car through the middle of this tree. These trees are massive. They can grow three to 400 feet tall. Like good luck trying to hug the thing. It's not going to happen, okay? They're massive. How is it since a tall tree can grow so tall, and people instantly go, well, the roots, you, the, the roots must be like at least twice as deep beneath. Here's the thing about a redwood or sequoia, the roots only go down maybe almost 10 feet. That's about it. Like how on earth does that tree even stand for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years? Because what they've done is they've seen that the redwoods, the sequoias, those roots start to grow down, and then they branch out 80 to 100 feet, and then they interlock with the roots of the other redwoods. You find all the redwoods, you find all the sequoias in groves, there's just groves of these trees, and all the roots are interlocked together. So when those high winds come and are blown against these massive trees, their roots are locked together. And when the floods come and it starts to wash away soil and make the, the, the soil wet and sappy, the, the roots are held together. They're rooted in such a way that they can grow tall and stand strong because they're rooted with others. That's such a beautiful picture of the Christian life. Like, the, the picture of you growing as a disciple of Jesus isn't you by yourself on a hill growing to some massive tree with your own independent root system. That, that's not a biblical understanding of being a disciple. It's you being like a redwood, a sequoia, that you're growing in a grove with others, and that your roots are sort of branching out and you're locking together so that when the winds of life blow cruddy stuff into your life, when the floods of whatever comes into temptation or trouble come flooding your life, you're locked together. Some of you have been so beat up because you're trying to be the tree on the hill all by yourself. You're trying to grow. You'll, you'll grow to a point that you'll never be able to be that giant redwood or sequoia that Christ has intended for you. And so you need to lock in with other believers. You grow, you don't grow alone. You root, but you don't root alone. We also see that a disciple's life is about building. It's about building. Look at the verse again. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him. Now we move from an agricultural metaphor of a tree to more of an architectural metaphor. All of you engineers and construction people are like, yeah, now we're talking, right? And this picture of the, when we, we receive Christ, we start to grow in Christ, it's like a house has been built. There's been a foundation of salvation. My, my soul is saved. My soul is secure, and now this house in Christ has been built. And guess what? When do you stop building on the house? You don't. This metaphor is a house that's continuing to be built onto. You're, you're, you're building onto the house. Some of you have built onto your house, and it's been a blessed and cursed experience, right? It's been like, man, I'd never do that again, but boy, was it good to do so. You got the extra space you needed, the extra room you needed, whatever. Our lives as believers is that we're constantly building onto this house. Why? Because we're constantly growing. We're learning new things about God. We're learning those new things of how to apply what we learn to, to life. And we're constantly uh, building onto the house that God has established there. And so we know that that's one of the most important parts of our life is to build and to grow, but we don't grow alone. We don't build alone. 
Uh, I thought about this example when I was preparing this message, and a couple of you um, from the last service actually uh, came up to me and, and identified this. If you've ever been on a building project, man, being out there by yourself, sometimes it's fun to be out there swinging a hammer by yourself. That's all cool. But if you're really trying to get something done, man, it's, it's experienced in a, in a neat fashion with a team. Some of you have been on like disaster recovery trips here at Cuyahoga Valley Church. Some of you have gone down to Appalachian and have maybe built some stuff, or you've gone on other mission trip or serve opportunities. You've gone down to Slavic Village and you've built stuff. Now, when you're with a team of people and you're swinging hammers together, there's just something that happens. There's a, there's a unity and a synergy that happens when you build together. That's a picture of the Christian life. We're all swinging hammers. When, 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 when we open up the Bible together, we start to study the Word of God and go, man, I was, in, I was in this chapter this week and I was in the same chapter and, and we start to look at, man, look what God did here. Like, I didn't catch that. But look what I caught. Oh, man, I didn't catch that. And we're, when, we, when, you, when you're doing that and when you're praying with one another, if you listen carefully when you're studying the Word of God and when you're praying, you know what you're going to hear? The sound of hammers and nails as the house is being built. Not literally, just metaphorically. Don't, don't like, some of you thinking he's, he's losing it. The house is being built. We, we don't build it alone. We, we build together. We build together. Also, you see that a disciple's life is about establishing. And we, we have this great little agricultural metaphor of rooting with a tree. And, and then we see this, you know, architectural metaphor with building of a house. And now we have this academic metaphor of establishing. Because the word establishing here means to, to verify, to prove true, to establish Look at the verse again. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith. This is a constant action. We're always establishing or verifying or making true what we believe. We're, we're an ever-learning student. When you've become a disciple of Jesus, you enroll in the university of Jesus forever. And we're a constant student, always learning, always confirming. And some of you have been struggling in your walk with doubt. You're doubting some of the things the Bible teaches. You're doubting your relationship with God. And by the way, doubt's not bad. Doubt's not sinful. Doubt's not. It's the fruit of doubt that can be bad. It's the fruit of doubt that can be sinful. But doubt itself can really take you to places of, of deeper connection with God. Some of you have maybe had doubts or maybe you've drifted away from being close to God. Why is that? You, you're sitting there going, I don't feel established in the faith. Well, it's because you stopped growing at some point. You stopped intentionally growing in the Lord. And, and maybe you try to do it on your own. Maybe you try to do it in isolation or in a vacuum and you're realizing it's not going to work. You, you, you've got to be connected. And so you, all of you as a group, being established in the faith. And so it helps us get out of those ruts of doubt and those ruts of uh, drifting away from the Lord. And, and for some of you... Maybe you're a young believer. Maybe uh, you're new in the Lord. Maybe you've only been walking with the Lord a couple years or less. And, and you feel like you're struggling and you're, you, don't, you don't know where that's coming from. Maybe it's because you haven't taken those extra intentional steps of really establishing what you believe by getting with others, by connecting with other people. And so you, you can't do it on your own. You really do need others. Some of you are mature believers. You, you've been walking with the Lord for maybe decades the reality is maybe you plateaued in your faith. You don't feel like there's a freshness in your faith and, and you seek after the Lord and like, Lord, what's that about? Maybe you too are also trying to do it in a vacuum or in isolation. This is where we see 
how God uses us to establish one another as we talk about what we learn about the Lord together and how we pray with each other together. We study the Bible together. These are the things that help us establish our faith and verify that they're true. And for those of you who are mature believers, um, maybe what you need is, is time to step out from being on the receiving end and start being on the giving end. When's the last time you were having FaceTime with a, with a brand new believer in the Lord? Some of you are, are Christians. You've been Christians for man, so many years, but you I can't remember the last time you had a conversation with a brand new believer who, who's asking basic questions like, how do we know the Bible's true? And, and, and you know, why, why, if God's real, how come bad stuff happens and, and you feel inadequate in those moments? And it's like, you know what? You need to have those young believers in your life to keep your faith fresh because you're pouring into them. And how many of you know that sometimes the best way to learn is to lead, Right? Sometimes just being a couple steps ahead of someone else, trying to, trying to just help them get to where you're at. And some of you feel so inadequate, like, I don't feel like I even hardly know anything about my faith. How can I possibly lead anybody? It's like, you know what? Start, hey, start with coloring pictures of Jesus with the kids and telling stories that you know, but, but, but maybe you know, you're still growing or just being one step ahead of someone else. All you need, you have something to offer. You've learned things about the Lord that can be shared. There's other people that need to be established and they just need to learn that, hey, they're not alone and there's other people out there that know the Lord, love the Lord, and can help them grow in the Lord as part of being established. I love what Romans 15, 14 says about this. Paul again says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourself are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. God has given everything we need to grow as a community. He's given us his Holy Spirit that lives in us. He's given us his word, and he's given us the opportunity to be relational. Now we just need to engage those things. We have what it takes to instruct one another. My job, the other pastors and ministry leaders on the staff, our job is to just keep equipping you to equip others. Because the life of a disciple is to be one and to grow others. I'm a disciple that makes disciples, that makes disciples, that makes disciples. If you follow Jesus... You've been called to be a disciple that makes disciples, that makes disciples, that makes disciples. That's our calling. That's why we exist. And so we have to understand that. Lastly, we see a disciple's life is also about abounding. It's about abounding. Not just abounding, but abounding in thankfulness. Again, look at that verse. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Why would we be thankful? Why would we abound? The word abounding there means to exceed. It means to overflow, like spilling over. Why would thanksgiving and gratitude be spilling over our life? It's a sign of spiritual maturity. That no matter what happens in our life, we can thank God for it, whether it's good or bad. Problem is, we're pretty good at thanking God for the good stuff. Oh, I got the parking spot I wanted. Thank you, God. You know? Oh, the extra check came in the mail. Thank you, God. I got a clean bill of health. Thank you, God. Nothing wrong with that. But how about when the bad stuff comes into our lives? Do we thank God then? You know, I had a fascinating conversation with a gal uh, just a few weeks ago. Um, actually, it's been a little bit longer than now. It's been a little bit longer than a few weeks. She, uh, she has not been in church for years. She showed up here after, you know, avoiding God, avoiding church for many years. Her friends just keep, kept at her, kept at her, kept at her. And she finally showed up here. And then the week after, she, she cornered me and said, hey, I've been coming for just a little bit, and I just want to tell you a little bit about my story. And she goes, you know, a little bit of a church background, but I've, I've been running from God, haven't been to church in years, and recently I got in a car accident. And of course, I'm like, thank you, God. 
Thank you, God, for my car accident. You really love me, you know? And then, of course, because she got an accident, they did some tests on her. And in the test, they found out that she had a brain aneurysm. And she's like, oh, God, I see how it is. You wrecked my car, and then I've got a brain aneurysm. Feeling the love, really feeling the love here, okay? So she shows up to church. Of all the days that she could show up, she shows up as a, as a young lady who's had a car accident, has a brain aneurysm that needs brain surgery, and it was the day that Pastor Dale was sharing about his brain surgery coming up and his trusting God no matter what. Isn't that just like God? I'm sure that was random coincidence, of course. You know. It's just like God. He loves us that much. And you know, she processed that. And she said, you know what? I thank God for my car accident. Because if I wouldn't have gotten the accident, they wouldn't have found out about the seizure. And if they wouldn't have found out about the seizure, something worse could have happened. That, that, that's a glimpse of, of growing, right? And, and it had to happen. She couldn't have done that on her own. And so what is it? There's, there's this, as we start to take these steps towards spiritual maturity, we start to learn how to thank God with the junk in our life and with the good stuff in our life. And we start to abound, exceed, overflow with thanksgiving for this great God who loves us. That's the life of a disciple. Well, it's hard to be thankful just by yourself. And thankfulness is something that we share. Because when things happen in our life that we need help and we need to reach out for, we're picking up the phone, we're talking to people. When we're celebrating things, we're picking up the phone, we're talking to people. It's part of our growth to celebrate. But in that part of our growth, you can't grow alone. We can't grow alone. So this year, I want us just to focus on growth. And in order to grow, we have to be committed to saying, I'm not going to grow alone. I'm just not. So here's just some things that we're going to roll out as a church. This isn't exhaustive, but here's just some of the big rocks of what we're going to try to do to prepare our hearts and move through a year of spiritual growth together as a community. Uh, and I just want to share some of these with you. When we look at our worship environment, what we're going to do in our worship environment as far as growth-oriented, one is Seek Week. Look, I don't know what you have planned next week, but if you've got a busy week, I encourage you to try to clear some of those days out. If you really mean business to draw close to God and to seek God, we take an entire week. We're going to be here at 7 o'clock from Monday through Saturday, and we're going to be praying. There'll be times just to, just to be in stillness and quiet and pray to God and grow. There'll be times to connect with others and grow. But I'd say commit to at least three nights a week if you can. Okay, maybe you can't make all week, but can you make three? Can you rearrange some stuff to, to make three nights during that week to just spend time with God and say, I'm really going to try to grow as this new year is upon me? And so Seek Week, I, I say, make that a focus. We're going to have a neat time drawing close to the Lord together during that week. Also, the Bible reading plan. Uh, you, you can't grow outside of being tapped into God's Word and getting your nourishment from God's Word. He's given us His Spirit. He's given us His Word. Every year, uh, we put out a Bible reading plan, okay? Um, this year, I'm really excited about this plan. It's a little bit different. It's, uh, it's very close to what would be called a New Testament chronological plan, which is... Uh, close to the order that the New Testament was written, okay, in the order of events. And we're going to spend time in the New Testament because as we talk about discipleship and growth, let's just marinate in, in, in the New Testament a little bit where all the early disciples of Jesus uh, were living life. And look, looking at the Gospels and looking at those people who walked with Jesus and looking at all the early church events and learning to walk with Jesus. And so it's a chapter a day in the New Testament, Monday through Friday. Every Saturday has an Old Testament reading. And Sunday is a time for reflection or other reading. Some of you are like, man, one chapter a day, that's weak sauce. I want more. You know what? Do the Bible reading plan and add something on top of it. But it's such a beautiful picture of us being rooted together if we're all reading the same verses that when you open up your Bible to Luke chapter 2, you realize there's hundreds of other people that day also opening their Bibles to Luke chapter 2 just like you. And if one of us makes a comment from the message about, oh, in the Bible reading plan this week, like, ah, I was there. You know, I remember that moment. 
It's part of being together. And so dig into the Bible. Some of you have never committed to a Bible reading plan. This is, this is a chance to start. Some of you are like, but I'm already behind a few days. I'll not, you know, either make up for it if you have to do that or just start fresh tomorrow, you know? Um, and just, just walk through the Bible with us. Be in the Bible. And so make sure you're engaging the Bible reading plan. Also, uh, as far as the worship environment, just our teaching. In the same way, uh, we're going to spend time in the book of Acts this year. Last year, we did this little tiny study in this book called Romans. Um, that was a big study. And that was just a lot of theology. In the same way, we want to spend time in the book of Acts this year because we're just going to watch the early church. Look at the boldness and the courage that they had to live for Jesus as, as new disciples and watch them grow together. Watch them how they lived out as uh, disciples together. I think it's just going to be a fuel to our fire to try to grow and, and, and watch the model of the early church for us to represent. Also, uh, in the fall, we're going to do an all-church series. In the fall, we're going to be looking at uh, the fruit of new life. We want you to continue to grow in the fruit of new life, seeing yourself as a beloved child, as a self-feeder, as a servant, as an investor, as a discipler, as a missionary. And so uh, we're going to take uh, the fall and we're going to do an all-church life groups. Everybody, we're all going to go through the fruit and life material. Uh, we're developing new material right now that will be finalized, and then our whole church will go through it in the fall. We'll all be on the same page. It'll be an exciting time of just momentum as a church uh, growing together. And so the leadership team's been looking at that, and uh, that's a phenomenal opportunity to grow together. So I'm excited about that. As far as groups and serve, pretty, pretty typical stuff. At first glance, like, oh, we already know this, but are you doing it? Get in a life group. Some of you, um, not, you're not in community. You don't, don't grow alone. Get in community. Some of you are like, oh, I've had a bad experience. Well, try another one until you have a good experience, you know? And get into a life group. Some of you, you've been in the same life group for years and years and years and years. And, and it's great that you guys have great community. In the meantime, we've got people going, I'd like to get in a life group, but it seems like you don't have any left for me. And so some of you are ready to lead a life group. Part of your growth this year is to step out and say, I'm going to lead. I'm going to lead a group. Serving. Man, find a way to serve within the church. God's given you gifts. God's given you abilities. As you use the gifts God's given you, you'll grow. And you'll be using them with other people, so you're not going to be growing alone. Find ways outside the church through local, regional, global opportunities that we're going to present, ways to serve outside the church. Some of you have never been on a short-term missions trip. You know what? To try to grow as a disciple this year, dedicate to going on a short-term mission trip. Because you're not going to go alone. You're going to go with others. And you're going to grow with others. And so th this is really a couple of the big rocks. Uh, a few other things we have in the mix. Um, we know we have a lot of families here. Some of you don't feel equipped as a family to disciple your kids. Um, how, how, how do I you know, build a discipleship culture within my own family? Uh, twice this year, we're going to do discipleship events, equipping with uh, a family focus. One in the spring, one in the fall. And then also leadership. And so many of you are leaders and you just haven't had a chance to be invested in or, or opportunities to step out and lead, uh, we're developing something called a greenhouse to help develop you as a leader. And then we're going to do a greenhouse equipping session this year that will help you grow as a leader. So these are just some of the big rocks. But ultimately, we're calling us all for a year of growth, to be a disciple and to grow others. And we just can't grow alone. And so that's what we're calling you to this year. Now, in response to that, here's what I want to do. I want to close out our service really giving it to the Lord in prayer. And here's what I'm going to ask you guys to do as Nate and the guys are coming back up here. Uh, all of you have a response card, okay? Would you just take that out for a second and look at that? It's super simplistic. If you're online, um, you can just listen carefully. And you can email at connect at cbconline.org if you've got any way you want to interact with us. 
But in the response card, there's one side for your information. And the other side, and maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching and you've never received Christ. You know, all that that I talked about earlier, and that's still stuck in your heart and mind. Maybe you just need to receive Christ this morning and, and, and transfer your trust from you and your broken self and whatever you're trusting in to, to Jesus and his death and resurrection and his love for you. Uh, maybe you've been far from God. You just need to rededicate and get close. But here's, here's the one I really want you guys to focus on if you're believers. is that third square. I'm asking for a commitment to this threefold spiritual growth plan. That as you, as you look at this year, would you just take, I'm just going to give you guys a minute to take this as we uh, enter into worship here in a minute and just lay this before the Lord and ask God to search your heart, search your life for areas that need to grow. And then look this over and go, am I going to start the Bible reading plan? Can I commit to reading a chapter a day in the Bible? Five days a week plus whatever else I got on Saturday. Eight verses on Saturday, <laughs> you know. Can I do that? Can I commit to tapping my roots into God's word? Yes or no? The, th the second part is grow in the fruit of new life personally by participating in worship groups and serve opportunities. And just to, to really activate your radar to a whole new level, and say, I'm really going to fully engage in worship, not just as an individual, but as part of the community. I'm going to get in a life group, or I'm going to lead a life group. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to serve. And there's needs. There's ways to serve. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to engage my gifts that God's given me to serve. And if you're willing to say, I'm in. I'm all in. And thirdly, and this is huge, help three others this year grow as a disciple in the fruit of new life. This is big. You can't take this lightly. Because if you do this, you're saying, I'm willing to say, God, put on my heart three people that you would use me to help grow. I want to help them grow. I want to grow by, you know, teaching them. And I also want to grow um, I want them to grow by helping them. And so if you'd be willing to honestly engage this threefold commitment, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Just spend a minute in prayer, just, just bathing this in prayer because it needs to be authentic and it needs to be genuine. And then during, the, during our time of worshiping, you know, Nate's going to lead us here in, in just a few songs. If this is a commitment that you're serious about and you're really all into grow, I'm going to ask you to do something so simple, but it's, but it's significant, is to rip off the response card and to come up here and just lay them somewhere on this platform. And that act of doing that is you saying, God, I really want to grow this year. I'm willing to engage my church's strategy to help me grow. And just the simple act of placing a piece of paper on the platform is, is you basically got, saying, God, I'm in. I want to grow. And I don't want to grow alone. And so if God calls you to that, do that this morning. Let that be your offering to the Lord of your life. And of course, we're going to receive our offering as well. But this is an offering of your, of your life of growth this year. So let's pray together. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for the chance to grow. And God, I do pray that as we start this year with a year of growth, that you would just help lead us, Lord God. For so many of us that feel plateaued or stale and stagnant, God, when we take it to heart, Lord, we just shake that out of us. Even this morning, Lord. And God, may we fall more in love with your word or even just get into your word until we fall in love with it again. God, help us to want to be used by you to reach and grow other people. God, that people would speak into our life and that we could speak into theirs. God, thank you that you gave us community, that we don't have to grow alone. So God, I pray that you just sift the hearts of every man and woman right now. And God, that you lead them to the appropriate action that's, that's good for them to grow this year. 
Lord, we love you. We praise you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.